I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Let's go! It's time to step away from the everyday. Pack up, hit the road, have an adventure. If you're out to explore our great state of Queensland, we want to help. It's being out with the breeze, with the bird song, with the kangaroos in the evening and the morning light, and the crunch on gravel underfoot is just quite lovely. So come on, meet some new friends and take a Queensland adventure with us. Hello, I'm Sally Eels. This episode, we visit some of the best sites the Southern Downs has to offer. There may be ones you already know about, but you'll experience them through the eyes of the passionate locals who know and love them best. There are also some incredible places I bet you've never heard of. Now, I want you to clear your mind of everyday clutter, keep your eyes open and your ears pricked, because to truly take in the Southern Downs, you need to do more than turn up, take a photo and tick it off your list. You need to immerse yourself in your surroundings and absorb it all. The Southern Downs covers more than 7,000 square kilometres and parts of it are 1,000 metres above sea level. While it's just a couple of hours west of Queensland's subtropical capital, Brisbane, it's the coldest place in the state. In fact, one of the major towns of the Southern Downs, Stanthorpe, is the coolest town in Queensland. In summer, it's a welcome reprieve from the heat, while in winter, it's where you can get toasty in front of a fire. If you're really lucky, you may even see snow. Yes, snow. While it's very rare, if it snows in Queensland, it's more than likely going to happen in the Granite Belt. Even if there isn't a sprinkling of snow, though, it's well worth rugging up on a misty, frosty morning to check out Stanthorpe's big thermometer as the temperature plummets sub-zero. The thermometer is located right beside Quartpot Creek. Here on the Southern Downs, unlike many parts of Queensland, you will experience four distinct seasons – We've already mentioned winter. 
In spring, expect blooming wildflowers and blossoming fruit trees, a great time to go hiking. While in summer, you may find a sea of yellow sunflowers and there's a bounty of waterholes to explore. Autumn sees the landscape turn shades of gold as trees and grapevines release their leaves. A perfect time for a trip to the local wineries. Depending on which part of the Southern Downs you're in, vineyards and apple orchards exist alongside spectacular granite rock outcrops. Cattle and sheep properties give way to vegetable and grain farms, while mountain roads twist their way through lush rainforest and around hidden waterfalls. Kalani sits very close to the Queensland-New South Wales border, a little more than two hours drive away from Brisbane. It's a scenic gem of the Southern Downs, known for the farming, particularly potatoes, that takes place in the rolling foothills of dramatic cloud-shrouded mountains and their lush green rainforests. So Kalani is sort of settled into a little um, valley being surrounded completely by mountains. And when we have enough rainfall, you can see waterfalls falling over the cliffs of Kalani from the main street of Kalani. So it's completely surrounded by these quite dramatic cliff faces and it just makes it very picturesque. The mountains just immediately behind Kalani were actually one of the first national parks declared in Queensland. And that was because at that time, national parks were all about conserving the views rather than conserving any particular species or type of bushland. They wanted to make sure that those mountains would never be clear felled or wouldn't be farmed so that those beautiful views would always be preserved for the people of Kalani and the people of Queensland. Louise Brosnan grew up in Kalani but moved away for school, university and life in London until the lure of home called her back. I've seen some of the most beautiful places in the world and when I got home there's nothing that compared to Kalani for me. So when you drive through the mountains, when you drive through the water crossings, when you look at those stunning views, um, there's really nothing that compares. Uh, and I think it's because I have such a connection to the town and to the country there. Yes, and a connection that goes back generations and it's really hard to replace. Louise also arranges major local events and has a great knowledge of the area. The Brosnan family were farmers but also timber getters so they worked in the mountains outside of Kalani for over 100 years doing um, selective logging so they had a philosophy of taking only what they needed and leaving what they could and it meant that my father gained a very deep knowledge of the the forest and the and the mountains of Kalani and he also passed on some of that knowledge and some of the knowledge was also passed to him by the very early tree fellers in that area and they also learned from the indigenous people so they learned a lot about the bush tucker that was in the forest there and you know what to eat to if you felt a bit crook or what to eat to make you feel better and yeah so sort of that knowledge was was handed down. What Kalani is perhaps best known for are the breathtaking Queen Mary Falls. 
Ah, yes, it's a magic place. So as you walk down towards the base of the falls, you actually walk through many different environments. And every time that I walk through there, I find that I just notice something that I didn't see before, you know, different plants or different grasses. My most magical experience there um, was seeing fireflies at Queen Mary Falls. And we stood at the base of the falls in the dark and you could just have all our torches off and you could just hear the falls running and just watch all of these little little lightning flashes floating all up and down around the falls. And I've seen it quite a few times, but I turned to the person I was with and I was like, this is a bit amazing. This is a bit incredible. So that's really something very, very magical. The best time of year to see that is actually late in November, early December, but they can start as early as October. Near the top of the falls is a tranquil camping spot and scenic picnic grounds, a perfect place to relax or play hide-and-seek with the kids. Yes, it's such a delightful little place to stop and have a picnic and I think it's probably the best spot if you've got small children because it has a little playground there. So, But it is beautiful to be amongst all of those huge trees um, and there's actually, if you look, you'll see that along the river bank towards the western side there's a little plaque there for a red cedar tree that was planted by two old gentlemen who were bullockies in the area uh, so that's something to look out for with your children Not far away are the spectacular Dags Falls and Browns Falls, named after some old-time local families. Of the three falls, my very favourite is Browns Falls because, to me, Browns Falls is almost like walking through a poem and every pool and cascade are like the different stanzas of the poem. So... You, you see the light appearing in different ways on the water and the way that the pools form or the, the water's falling over the rocks. You walk through the, through the hoop pine forest and then into the vine forest, picking your way over the rocks and scrabbling over logs. And then you climb your way up to the, the base of the falls and it's just such a delightful experience. I, I really recommend it to, to anybody. And up near the waterfalls are the River Run Gardens, a photographer's paradise and popular spot for weddings. They're only open to the public at certain times of the year, but sneaking a glimpse over the fence is worth it. So make Kalani and its waterfalls a must-do on your travel itinerary. I think that waking up with that beauty every single day is just, you know, it's something that you can't take for granted. Like it's a touch of beauty in your day living in the shadow of those mountains. And I think that it's something everybody really appreciates and is deeply connected with in the community of Kalani. For me, Kalani is such a special place because of the people there Um, and being part of a community of that size where everyone says hello to you and greets you, everyone takes the time to check in on you and also everyone's interested in helping you to be successful. They're supportive of each other and that's something that's quite irreplaceable. 
that's the reason that I want to be in Kalani is because of that, yeah, being part of a wonderful community. Now, if Kalani is a place that can take your cares away, let me now introduce you to Ajahn Billy Gorge. It's only 10 kilometres from Kalani, but there's only one entrance through the Condamine Gorge, and you'll need a four-wheel drive because you'll have to make 10 river crossings to get there. We have people who generally just want to seriously get away. We always have a good discussion about which is the real world. Is it here or is it out there? And... uh, The guests that left this morning, they said, no, it's definitely in here. We're going to the crazy world now, and this is the real world in here. But it's about getting away and and totally switching off. If you come from Kalani, go through the Condamine ten times to get here. If you're coming from the Boona end, it's four river crossings to get in. And they they say that every time you go through the water, you, you feel like you've left Australia a bit further behind each time. It's a totally different ambience and environment. It's like a lost world. It is, very much. And they say that the feeling of coming down is an extraordinary feeling. They've been running on adrenaline-based energy and it becomes replaced by this calm energy and they need to stock up on that before they go back. Tony Hoopman once was a teacher who used to spend weekends and holidays at Ajahn Billy Gorge with his wife Sue and their daughters. It's a place where you don't look into the rainforest but exist within it. Now, Tony and Sue, they run it. A retreat featuring cabins with rainwater for drinking, hydro and solar electricity, hammocks for whiling away the day and no mobile phone reception. I used to love that because I used to wake up well past the normal time that I wake up. Sometimes it was almost in the afternoon. It was incredible. You you just don't know what the time is in here. And what happened one day is our family was staying in one of the cabins and the owners came down, walking down the veranda, and they said, look, um, we would like to sell and we would like you to own it. And I mark my life as before that day and after that day. It wasn't a matter of whether we said yes, it was more a matter of how the heck are we going to do it. It was a juggle and a financial struggle, but Tony and Sue managed to bring their Ajahn Billy dream to life. I just had it all mapped out in my mind as to how we wanted to run it um, we had to build tracks. I knew what I wanted to do. Still had to work out where they had to go and all of that sort of thing. But I knew what I wanted to do so that people could get the best out of um, the rainforest here and, and what it's got to offer. Most recently, they've opened a track which takes you to a place that feels out of this world. So we've just opened up 
an amazing track called the Grove of the Ancient Figs and they're hundreds of years old strangler figs and we found a whole grove of those and they're massive trees. I just thought we can't just keep that to ourselves so I built tracks. But a lot of people talk about it as going into a Lord of the Rings sort of place. And when did you stumble across these figs? Did you know that they were there? No, we didn't. No, we, we didn't know. We're still discovering things that we never knew were here. And those figs, when, when I saw them, I just I felt like I'd fallen through the present into another place. It, it's almost as though you stepped into another universe or environment. First, though, it was the circuit track they decided to build. But around the same time, Tony's wife, Sue, was diagnosed with breast cancer. I thought, well, um, there's nothing much we can do about it except make the best of it. So I decided in that seven months that I'd build uh, a circuit track, which went up to the cliffs along the creek and then down the other side and then back again. And there's so many things to see along the creek. Um, And I said, right, Sue, this is a competition. I'm going to see if I can finish that track before the end of your radium treatment, at the end of all of this. Anyway, she beat me by three weeks. But the other thing about it, which was quite wonderful, was that Sue would come up and during her treatment, particularly during the chemo phase, when she was feeling a bit better, and I remember one day she uh, got her camera out and spent four hours basically photographing a poor old dragonfly that got followed around everywhere for nearly a day. And from that, she developed her photography skills and took it up as a really serious hobby. And now she's brilliant. I don't know how many now. I think there's over 100 species of birds that she's photographed. Including the timid Albert's lyrebird. Ajin Billy teems with wildlife, from pythons to platypus and a little crayfish you won't find anywhere else. It was believed to be related to a blue and white crayfish that waves its claws around as it stalks Lamington Plateau about 130 kilometres to the east. The Ajin Billy crayfish behaves in the same manner, but looks different. But everywhere the Lamington Plateau one is blue, this one we've got here is white. And they have white spines, and I've always regarded them as identical. And in talking to the scientists, they said that, well, they were. And 10,000 years ago, our valley here became isolated from the Lamington. So we've actually got, like, almost the same species, but different. The creek that runs through Ajinbilly has been a life force for generations, protecting animals and people in times of drought. Ajinbilly is an Aboriginal word for place of constant water. And over the European history, it has never dried up, never stopped flowing. And in Aboriginal history, it never has either. And so its significance is huge because of that. Culturally, to the Aborigines, because it was a place they knew they could get water no matter what. And you're talking 80,000 years, perhaps. 
During the drought of 2019, the Condamine River dried up, but Adjun Billy's water source kept bubbling. We got platypus in our creek like we've never seen because our waterfall and our spring is not affected by the local condition. Is it coming out of the ground, is it? It's coming out of the ground. It, it, it comes fully formed. A metre above the spring, it just comes out of the ground. And when I first saw that spring, it was almost a, uh, I was going to say spiritual experience, but it is so life-affirming and powerful. It was declared a water course and that has now protected that spring from ever being dammed or interfered with. And what's so important about that is that is the very thing that has kept Ajinbilly as a refuge for these creatures for possibly millions of years. But once the rains came and the rivers flowed again, the platypus went on their way. We'd become so familiar with the platypus that Sue was photographing, uh, videoing them. We've got some spectacular video where she could sit on the edge of the water hole and they'd even swim up, put their bill on the edge of the water and look at her. And off, off they'd go and do their own thing and then they'd come back and have another look. But as soon as the condomine started flowing, they went back. And we keep saying, I wonder where they are. Scientists have also relied on the cool waters of the spring near Ajinbilly to help keep the very rare river blackfish alive. They can't survive in temperatures above 25 degrees. Most importantly, that the temperature of our creek never got over 22. So a researcher released tiny blackfish into Ajinbilly's stream. And he said, the little fish, these little fish, use the springs and the creeks around Kalani to stop them becoming extinct. We've got uh, hammocks over the creek and one thing we see our guests probably doing is lying in the hammocks trying to find them as the water flows underneath the hammocks. The longer we've lived here, the more we are aware that we, we're custodians of the rainforest, we're guardians of the rainforest, but we, we're, we're such a tiny time span in the, you know, in the life of the rainforest. It's been logged and logging finished in 1976. So it's only been 45 years that the forest is, you know, working on recovering. And that's nothing in the time span of, you know, the Gondwana rainforest, which this is part of. And you begin to understand that your time is really very, very short, but very, very important. Ajinbilly is now a place where writers, artists, musicians and busy everyday people come to escape, fuel their creativity and feed their soul. We can hear music at times and laughter and things drift up from the campfire. It's quite exciting. We've had um, one guy who's actually going, had been invited to sing with the King Singers in England and he stood here one night on the campfire with his friends and um, sang. And I thought, wow, it doesn't get much better than this. I was lying in bed just listening to this magnificent operatic voice. I thought, wow. For a lot of our guests, it's a life-changing experience to, to be in the rainforest like this and to experience nights of absolute beautiful serenity and silence. And, and you've only got the... Uh, the sounds of the creek through the night and then in the morning the, the lyrebirds and the, 
magnificent bird song we have here, you just do enter another world for a few days. From lush rainforests and mountain waterfalls to giant granite rocks, the change in scenery couldn't be more extreme, and you only have to drive about two hours southwest of Ajinbilly to experience it. Now we're at Girraween National Park, perhaps one of the most well-known parts of the Southern Downs, and one of the people who know and love it best of all is Ranger Joe McClellan. So we're on the granite belt, which is 225 million years in the making. Basically, I'm not a geologist, but in my basic terms is, if you can imagine where we're standing right now, was actually about a kilometre below the Earth's surface back 225 million years ago. There was some sort of heating that occurred. We assume volcanic activity. Um, eventually all that liquid magma then cooled, solidified and formed the granite. Um, you've still got that kilometre of, of bedrock, we call it, that needed to be removed. So again, other processes have taken shape. Um, maybe an uplifting, some plates moving and definitely erosion have helped to reveal that granite to the surface and then it just continues on, you know, the, the, the heating and the cooling of the rocks, cracking develop, the water and wind getting into those cracks and rounding off the edges and forming the amazing features we see. I've seen evidence of them splitting only in the last week or so. We've seen boulders roll down major hills and take out the landscape and so on. Um, but yeah, like that's some really cool stuff and it is just those geological processes that have gone on to shape them. So yeah, the granite arch, it, it looks like three separate rocks, but it's actually one whole formation. The pyramids is what's known as an inselberg. You know, it would have started out as, as a big square slab or, or, or block, you know, and then the, the weather and the water have helped to shape to what we see today. You can hear more about what it's like to climb the pyramid in our Active Adventures episode. But Girraween is much more than spectacular rocky archways and boulders to climb over and clamber across. So, Girraween has uh, quite an interesting history. It dates back to the 1930s uh, when there was a local practitioner by the name of Dr Spencer Roberts who would go to people's houses in Stanthorpe and see the feathers of um, the superb lyebirds. Uh, so what he, he said to these people was, please take me to the area where these you know, lyebirds can be found, or these birds, he didn't know what they were at the time. And uh, so yeah, some local um, naturalists brought him out here and he fell in love with the area. So he lobbied the government at the time, being a very articulate man, uh, for them to set aside two parcels of land. So we had Castle Rock National Park and Boulder Rock Creek National Park. Collectively, they were known as Wyberba National Park. And it wasn't until the 60s uh, when the government acquired all the land that was in between these two parcels of land that Girraween became the one whole national park. There was farming land still surrounding, um, but yeah, 1966, on the 14th of February, Girraween was born. The Aboriginal meaning of Girraween is place of flowers, but it's not actually of local origin. Yeah, not quite sure where it actually came from, but it was suggested back in, in 1966 that it was a really relevant name for here. 
We've got 600 species of um, flowering plants between here and Bald Rock, which is on the other side of the border. And yeah, a lot of those will come out in flower through, this, through the spring and summer months. So already, yeah, we're seeing the wattles and lots of pea flowers, lots of purples and pinks and yellows. Um, but yeah, as we get into spring, there'll be all the, uh, the, the white wax flowers and the um, flannel flowers, which are one of my favourites, um, orchids as well. It's not just flowers in abundance, but wildlife too. I guess the beauty with Girraween is no matter what time of the year you will see some sort of little creature out and about, whether it's a reptile or a bird. Um, if you're lucky enough, you know, you will get to see mammals even though they're nocturnal. Both the superb lyrebird and the common wombat were two species in particular that uh, Dr Spencer Roberts wanted to protect their habitat for. And the reason being is because you will not find them any further north in Australia from this area. Um, quite common down in the southern states but not so up you know, in, in Queensland. Um, the superb lyrebird in particular is an amazing creature. Uh, they sing, obviously. They, they go on a mound and they will sing to attract a female friend and 75% of the superb lyrebird's song is actually um, mimicking other birds. 25% is their own song. So yeah, you can hear kookaburras and magpies and um, cockatoos and so on, you know, in this, in this song and it's quite amazing. So their song is obviously pretty magic, but to see them, um, when you sort of see them darting through the bush, you may see a female and think that's just a brown chook looking thing, you know. Um, the, the males though, when they display, they actually bring their tail feathers up over their body and do, they spread out the tail feathers, you know, almost, almost I guess like a peacock does, you know, and, and then dances and sings on the mound to attract his female friend. They're a beautiful creature. And then there are wombats, which as someone who's been a big fan of wombats for as long as I can remember is hugely exciting. I actually cried the first time I saw one in the wild, but yeah, that's another story. Anyway, Ranger Joe McClellan is a kindred spirit when it comes to wombats. Yeah, so another species which is pretty unique for here is the common wombats. Um, and I've fallen in love with the wombats here and uh, kind of, you know, sometimes in my own time have spent time trying to find with where these guys are. Joe's even climbed down their burrows. <laughs> yes, and got stuck. <laughs> I'm not as small as I used to, but yeah, in my time of, that I've been here, I've only ever seen one wombat in the flesh. Took me nine years to see him. Um, but I have seen obviously lots on camera because we'll set the remote cameras up on the entrance of the burrows and capture footage that way. So I'm optimistic that we have a healthy population here. I've probably slept a year out of my life in this park looking for them and I've never been able to spot them. I can hear them and I've probably, you know, kind of just missed them because I'll see where they've fed and, and you know, drop their droppings and so on. But yeah, just so, so elusive. <laughs> If you do happen across a wombat, don't get in its way. But if you're fast enough to snap a photo, please send it to Ranger Joe. And maybe me too. Now, here are a couple more sites you may want to pencil in. 
for a granite rock experience that's on a much smaller scale to Girraween, but more accessible, right near the heart of Stanthorpe, try Sentimental Rocks, tucked away in Jardine Street. For a giant granite rock experience, travel down to Bald Rock National Park, where you'll find Bald Rock, obviously. It's apparently the largest granite monolith in Australia, rising 200 metres from the ground and measuring 750 metres in length and 500 metres across. Not far from here, you'll also find a lookout used by Captain Thunderbolt, the longest roaming bushranger in Australia's history. He had a lair even closer to Stanthorpe too. Just a 20-minute drive to the north is Donnelly's Castle. Not really a castle, but an outcrop of boulders creating an incredible little collection of caves and crevices to explore. It was named after a local settler. It doesn't take long before you start getting into, you know, the, the rocks and the caves out there. It's quite, quite magical as well. Donnelly's Castle is a beautiful spot for a picnic and families and quite the natural adventure playground. Young and old alike will delight in exploring the caves and imagining what it was like when bushrangers roamed the region. From majestic waterfalls to geological wonders, teeming with diverse and rare wildlife, the Southern Downs has an abundance of natural delights. Places where you can switch off from the world and just be. Thanks for joining us on this episode as we took in the spectacular natural sights of the Southern Downs. Be sure to check out our other episodes on this incredible region, Active Adventures. It's a bit of a steep climb. Culture and history. And food, glorious food. I don't think people realise what a salad bowl that the granite belt is. This podcast is a production of The Pod Squad, a team of media professionals dedicated to bringing you the best of Queensland from the locals who love it. I'm Sally Eels, writer, presenter and producer of Queensland Adventures. Sound design, Mark Wright. Camera, editing, social media and promotion, Sean and Katie Smith from Grizzly Bear Media. Marketing, Kim Scubras. Graphics, Luke Sieb. Theme music written and performed by Julian Doe. Thanks to the Southern Downs Council and Mayor Vic Panisi for their support. See you soon on your next Queensland adventure. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.